My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Thanks for tuning into Transmissions. It's nice to have you here. I don't know how hot it is where you are, but it's like I'm facing a dense wall of heat every time I walk outside here in the desert. Our guest this week on the show is Rodrigo Amarante, and his new album, Drama, is pretty much perfect for long summer days. Features gorgeous melodies, jazz chords, bossa nova, and samba polyrhythms, and it's a beautiful listen. He joined me to discuss putting it together, facing down notions of masculinity, his collaborations with groups like Little Joy, Los Hermanos, and artists like Devendra Banhart, and the vivid scene that went through his head composing the theme song for Netflix's Narcos. Before we get into the talk, bonus episodes of Transmissions are headed to our Patreon page, as well as cutting room floor audio and never before heard archival interviews. So head over and check us out on Patreon and help us keep making Aquarium Drunkard what it is, by heads, for heads. All right, here's my talk with Rodrigo. I had a lot of fun talking with him, and I think you'll have a lot of fun listening to it. I'll speak with you more on the other side. Yeah. Well, let me, so, so we can just dive right into it. I love this record. It's really, I've, I've been having such a nice time listening to, to drama. Um, oh, thank you. That's great. You, great to hear. you had to work with Noah, uh, George, Georgeson a lot on, I assume, you know, zoom or whatever. Right. I mean, was that part of how it worked or was it more or less you were sending files back and forth? How did this one come together? It was, it was, um, it was hard. I mean, Noah lives like half a mile from me and I didn't see him once <laughs> because, you know, rightfully so he was, I was very careful too, like very strict when, when every, when the pandemic was raging. <clears throat> um, and so was he, and he has a kid and I was like, Noah, man, I'll buy like a 50 foot long headphone cable. I'll wear a tarmac suit or a tarmac. What is it called? Hazmat. Hazmat. Hazmat, Tyvek, um, uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, and I'll stand outside. You can like, I'll burn the clothes. Uh, you know, he's like, no. So, so we had to do it like pretty much through email. Mm-hmm. Of course we would talk on the phone, but, um, and so the mix took a long time. He only mixed. Uh, right. So, you know, things like, uh, well, the reverb tail should be a little shorter which is something you decide in two seconds in the studio was like me writing 
he him doing yeah him printing sending back so i had to in a way i mean i took something positive out of it which is that i had to for one um pick my battles in a way you know like really listen with a giving spirit you know yeah if i'm yeah. in the studio with him and we've done this before you know i would want to experiment things like oh what if the drums are only on the right let's see Oh, that sucks. Um, or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, what if this is super dark or, and so there was not, there was no time to, to do much of that, you know? So I would do like a rough mix, send it to him. This is what I, what I'm feeling for this song, yeah. you know, and then yeah. talk about it, but then, you know, I'll let him do his thing and he's very good at it. So it took longer, but I, I'm happy with it. This, and, yeah. Well, so, like you know like your first solo record but even more so in a lot of ways that feel like this album there's this beautiful connection okay. right between the uh the rhythm and the melody and all this stuff it it sounds to me and this is obviously the beauty right of a listener getting to tell you like here's how here's what i think because yeah. you you're in the middle of it you have to deal with it you have to think about it so much to me it sounds unfussed it sounds un 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 you know bothered in a lot of ways it feels very like natural and it feels like uh, it's interesting to hear you say that part of what this was was about picking your battles and sort of just understanding hey i can live with this because it's it's good it works you know without maybe uh, did, well did 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 the email thing prevent you from overthinking do you feel like in some ways or was it how, how did I it mean, work if well yes but you know mixing mixing is um less there's let me put it this way there's a lot less room for overthinking in mixing in 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 the way we used to do because you go into the studio and you know you're gonna end the day mixing that song yeah maybe there's a recall um oh well this was a bad decision let's go back but you know you kind of do a song a day so you know you you work with that spirit in this way there was that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I had, you know, we had to, to put a limit to it now. Um, and, and thank you for saying that because it, it, it's, it's a big compliment that it feels like that. I like it. Um, the plan wasn't to, wasn't to do it. Um, a lot like the, the previous record, which is, which means in this room that I'm in mm -hmm. by myself, mostly. And, it, it it went like that because of the pandemic, but but the yes the 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 mixing had was was an exercise of like you know what I've done I've you know thought about it enough it's great to have someone else um, yeah. you know yeah oh shape it um, you know give give his but Noah Noah's I I love him he's a dear friend and very good at what he does but he is very good at not um, overpowering someone else's work yeah and it yeah. was it was kind of irritating to me in, in during cavallo because i thought you know like he's such a good guitar player he has great ideas for counterpoints and shit like that and and i was like come on don't you want to do like what, what would don't you want to play in the song he's like no i'm like why well because you, you're good i'm like man so so I, to his credit he really is is conducive to your own you know thing. yeah and 
I don't know if I answered your question. It's... No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think you, I think you did. <laughs> it wasn't much of a question, probably, to be honest. I do think that um, this record. So most of it was you had all these performances recorded. You, you basically had. You said Noah just mixed, right? Right. Well, um, I. So the idea. I've been playing some of these songs on tour, right? Um, and so a few of them. So when we came back from a tour, the plan was to go into the studio to Mario Caldato Jr. studio, dear friend too. And right here and to, you know, get the energy that we had, you know, the arrangements were there. We were rehearsed. So that's what we did. And my plan was to keep doing that. So that was the first um, session where we did these four songs. And it was really fun because Mario, um had just set up his new studio is very excited about you know downstairs there's no computer mm. i mean there is but you know you don't you don't see it so recording to tape uh we had four takes to get it right you know if you don't get it right you gotta play some ping pong and come back or something <laughs> yeah and so i wanted to do that you know differently from the previous record where i'm you know weaving each thing by myself and stuff mostly by myself and so that's how it started. And it felt good. I was like, okay, overdubs, that's fun. I want to do that, you know, kind of think of counterpoints and stuff like that. But plans changed, of course, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. I did record horns here and strings. I sent out the arrangements and someone else recorded, um, Danny Benzi, recorded at his place, you know. String, yeah, there's a lot of that now. But so it, it was supposed to be that you know, these all mostly live recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah. Well, so have you and Noah been able to hang out more recently at this point? Have you guys got to see each other some? Yeah. We just saw each other for, it was Devendra's birthday um, Mm. just recently. And for the first time I went out to see my friends, I saw, you know, the, the whole, the whole gang, the whole, what used to be the grogs. That's how we, we called ourselves on the marquees when we played with the vendor, you know, the whole band and a bunch of friends. So yes, I hung out with him. His kid has grown so much. He's talking a lot and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So good to see him. Was it, yeah. was it, was it Devendra? Was he essentially responsible for you moving to the States? Um, I, I know that, as I understand it, you came out to play on uh, what is it? Smoke, Smokey rolls down the smoke. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Smokey yeah. rolls down Thunder Canyon. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you came out to play on that, and then essentially haven't really moved away from LA since, right? Yeah. It was oh, there was a year there that was so I came to to work on that record, and it was a great time, and we're in Topanga, and you know I was supposed to stay. I think less than a month ended up staying for two months and working on the whole record. We really got along. So I met the vendor in London at a festival at the Barbican Center. I think, you know, a few months before that, something like that. And we hit it off right away and, you know, started exchanging demos. And that's how he was like, oh, come over. So, but when I was here, um, I got a call from Fab, Fab Moretti. Hmm. And I met Fab in a different festival in Portugal one time where my first band opened for the strokes and he 
is half Brazilian and his brother was a big fan of my music. So he kept sending Fab my music. So when we met, same thing, we hit it off. We went out. It was super fun. <clears throat> we kept in touch. So when I was in L.A., I can't remember how he found out I was here, but he wrote me. He's like, man, you're here. I'm coming to L.A. We should work on a, on, on something. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So that seed started there. So I, I, I recorded Smokey, went back to Brazil. Then Fab was like, let's work on a song <clears throat> through email. All right. So he sent me some chords. I wrote a melody, some lyrics in the back. And we really liked the first song we wrote. I was like, oh, that was that was easy. I wonder if we got together, you know. So he's like, you want to come back to L.A. and do that? I was like, all right. So I came back. And that's when, you know, Little Joy kind of started. Yeah. We we're supposed to do one song, that song. He's like, well, come, we'll write another one. It'd be like a two, like a four, like a, like a single. Yeah, yeah. But we sat and we just started writing one after another. And I've actually never had that experience before, like writing with someone. It's not, I've of course written songs with other people, but it's a rare thing. And it's rare to hit it off like that, like really fast and just, you know. So to answer your question, that's when I realized like, you know what, I have two addresses at this point in two different um, hemispheres of the planet. So. Um, and it was very refreshing because my first band was kind of, you know, falling apart. We weren't excited about doing the, 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 the record we were supposed to. And so the whole thing felt, felt really good to me. And, and so I pretty much the gave, got rid of all the shit I had and just came with like clean and just very few things. Um, and so that's how that's how I ended up here. And I never thought like, okay, I'm moving to the States. I was like, well, I'll do this for a couple of years. Rough Trade got me a visa for Little Joy. And then, you know, I'll go back. But, you know, here I am. Just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, the, the, the return home. I mean, I'm sure you've gone back, you know, multiple times. But yeah, yeah, I go visit. But, you know, the that, you know, Little Joy and then other things started happening. And so I'm. I'm, you know, I'm respecting the suggestion of chance and, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it as a gift. You know, the, the wind is blowing that way. Let me, well, go know, with the, go with the wind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. It, it's given me kind of this, um, I, you know, I, it, it's like I started over yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of people close to me in Brazil, like people that I worked with, they all thought I was nuts, you know, like, it's like, man, what are you doing? Like, you playing like at a bar in Echo Park? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And I'm like, this is great, man. I I, I get to go in a room and, and with my guitar and sing and see if this is going to work. Right. There's no fan base. There's nothing. Right. Right. And so I that was that was a gift. I, I really I'm glad that happened. I'm very thankful for it. Did that first song that you recorded with Fab, did that make the, the Little Joy album? Yeah, it's the, what is it called? I remember the original title, which is probably, it's, it was something about a clown or something. It's the, do, where, I don't know anything no, about don't, music. Don't, don't, not, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I just was curious if it made, I love that record. That's a record to me where it was like, when that one came out, it was so uh 
it was really it was really exciting because it, it was such a good record for that summer. Uh, I just remember, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that record is special. It 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 has the energy of this new friendship and this kind of release. Fab Two was like, you know, um, it was the first time where like the he was venturing out of the strokes and yeah and doing something really different and it was it was a lovely time and then Uh, obviously you know binky's vocals are great on it i did you end up was there play the part sorry play the part was the first song okay there you go there you go did you uh, what you know were there plans to make another record have you guys talked about it have you thought a lot about it or is it just sort of like this is a particular because there is something special about that record, like you mentioned. There's a part of me that almost wonders: should it just be that one record? You know? Yeah, I mean, we did we did talk about making another one, and and we tried, but it was it just got complicated, like with on his side too, with the Strokes, like you know. It's, I don't know. I don't even know how much I should convey. <laughs> but it's, it's fine. Yeah. But you know, but it, it got complicated. You know, like he was being taken from the strokes. There was a feeling like he shouldn't be doing that. And but not only that, you know, it was also you have to remember Binky and Fab were a couple. Yeah. So I was yeah. in a band with a couple. So I was pretty much the couple's therapist, right? <laughs> And things were beautiful and, you know, but they, you know, it's, and they're not a couple anymore for a reason. Yeah. So even when we tried to do the the second record, we ended up even writing some songs and some are very good, actually, I think, um, for what we, we do. Um, But it just didn't happen. You know, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a record by myself. And I, you know, I never really consider that until then right so so now it feels like yeah that was a moment there was such a you know like a period of time things were a lot sunnier than they are now um and so let it be that you know yeah i don't know you know me and fab we talk all the time we talk about working on music too you know i might see him in new york soon nothing is you know nothing is um closed yeah but but little joy was the three of us and I don't know that that's gonna happen again. Yeah, no, I, I I understand. Something can be very special in a in a when it's the right people at the right time, you know. And then it takes some, I guess, maybe listening to your internal compass as to you know when to let things be, you know, and move on. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, because you know that even though this is you know. Um, somewhat you know magical there's something there's a lot to do with feeling yeah and you know it's still um a business so the business side of it my pull um one to to insist on something um for that reason you know and we we weren't um hooked on that i'm not very much uh, hooked on that kind of thing and so we we you know at one point we decided to respect that and just, you know, yeah. move on. Yeah. Does, is the, I mean, the music industry, the business side of it, you know, it, it feels to me like there's, there's something, you know, you wrote, 
in the song I Can't Wait, there's this lyric, you know, to be free is to belong. Uh, and, and, you know, I noticed that on Twitter, you, you posted that lyric along with a little bit of a note, right? Did I? I mean, it wasn't me, but... So, was, somebody put... Maybe you wrote the note, but it was it was a, a little handwritten scrap, and it, it said something along the lines of, like, the worship of capitalism is the worship of privilege. Do you know? Do you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I did write that. Yeah, so I, I actually never went on Twitter, but at some point, um, things got linked, um, you know? And so, yeah, I, I posted that. Sometimes I write shit and put on Instagram, even though I'm told, um, well, I don't give a shit. I'll just, you know, if I want to say something, I'll just write and put it there. But, you know, people say like, oh, whatever, algorithm shit. I, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Um, but anyway, yeah, I I mean, it's, it's something that is kind of, um, I mean, hopefully it's coming back to fashion. But I do have this kind of, uh, I, I want to, I can't help it, but to, to think about these things, like, you know, these ideas, what is, what is freedom? Why are we hung up on, why are we in this state that we are? Why are there so many people um, in denial of, of that, that we're, one organism you know and that together we're better than separated and so i keep you know chewing on that and that song is is in a way an attempt it, it was kind of a, a song that one of the rare ones where i just sat and wrote it um but it it comes from this i guess this frustration or the thought that we that you know we're of 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 the what I think is the most dangerous um, idea, uh, it, which is the paradigm of our era, which is the thought that competition is the ultimate means of evolution, that competition makes us better. You know that competing, that competition is the fuel for for um, excellence, which I think is total bullshit. Mm. It's a perversion of of Darwin's words uh, for the sake of putting us. Uh, against one another i feel like even the ones that really feel that and are driven by competition if they really investigate their lives they'll see how much they were helped they were you know how many people were generous and and you know co cooperated with them yeah i yeah. believe that cooperation because competition doesn't need to be pushed doesn't need a push cooperation um, I think is the spirit, you know. So I think cooperation is the is 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 the human spirit is the way to go. So that's why I wrote that that thing about to be free is to belong because um, I was um, thinking about this thing and I have a bunch of dictionaries. I like I love language. I I have like old dictionaries and shit like that. Weird. Anyway, I like it. And so I was like, oh, let me see all the lexicon, like all the all the the entries for freedom in all these languages and in, in different eras and stuff. And it turns out it's, it all has to do with separation. Freedom is separation is disconnect is getting rid of something is so, and it makes sense, right? In large, because that's how we understand that you free yourself from something, right? You're become independent from something. 
um, it has, um, I can see how historically it has a reason to be that way because of all the oppression, right? But I think that there's something wrong with it. I actually disagree. I think that freedom is the acknowledgement of interdependence because you can't be free by yourself. Individual freedom is an oxymoron. It's like you can't. Freedom is no fear, right? Like uh, Nina Simone said. Freedom is knowing everybody else is all right. And so one, I think, feels free when one feels like they belong, mm -hmm. that they're a part of. That's, to me, the feeling of freedom is knowing that you have a part, that you belong. Even if you don't have any merit, you know, that's the other thing about the worship of merit and all this shit, you know. I respect a bum that can cope with society, perhaps more than a guy in a suit that really is excellent at coping and doesn't give a shit, yeah. you know, yeah. and will perform no matter what. I have respect for the, for those. And so that's why I mean, like, you know, belonging, not by means of merit, by means of being alive, by being a part of society. And so, well, this individual doesn't, has mental problems or has a whatever it is you know there's there should be love for everybody there should be room for everybody because everybody even the most um despicable human has something to offer given that there's love around that person you know i don't know it's a bit in short i can't help <laughs> but to think about these things you know end up writing about it i know it's kind of like um i don't know I hope it's not forceful. Uh, it's just got, you know, it's what's in my head and it's in my heart. And so I wanted to say that I wanted to talk about it. It's so interesting at the start of the pandemic, I felt like there was a, a moment where it seemed to me so obvious the the, what we were looking at in addition to, the danger and the tragedy and, and all the stuff was uh, an illustration of the fact that we are all connected because this this thing can pass between us, you know? And so um, right as this, this recognition was happening that we were all in the same boat one way or the other, yeah, there was this necessary you know, separation from each other as well. Right. I, I'm with you 100%. Because we're prevented from being with each other, it kind of shined a light on how together we are, even crossing the street, being on the same sidewalk. Right. I, I remember that feeling. I share that with you. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it, there was something beautiful about that. I was very optimistic about it until we realized that this is another this became another um instrument for inequality concentration of wealth and unfortunately now at the tail end of it we're reminded that you know the way society is we are not together a lot of there's a lot of dying and misery and, and suffering and the curve for that is equally inverted is that the, how you say it it's um you know it crosses in 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 the opposite way with the 
with the accumulation of wealth. Sure. Know? Well, the, we, I mean, we, so we know that the, the, the wealthiest people, you know, were able to utilize the pandemic to their advantage, you know, business wise and, and accrue more of that wealth. And, and, and yet I, I still like, I think this will be the thing that we look back on our lives. We look back on and, and we just, I don't know what we'll make of it. I don't know what lessons we'll ultimately learn from it. I try to be optimistic, like you said, because we did recognize that all of a sudden, you know, well, we're going to have to medically address this situation in a way yeah. where, yeah. where we, we treatment, you know, was more or less free, you know, and, and, and we're giving the, the, the vaccine out now, you know, and it's free. And I think that it's like, to me, the ultimate frustration of our times, and it sounds like you share some of this frustration, is both the apparent truth that we're all connected, and then also all these systems that we live in that are designed not to acknowledge that fact or to obscure that fact for, you know, nefarious means in most cases, you know, but maybe just short-sighted, you know, views. But but you wrote in that note, you know, you wrote that, that the worship of capitalism is the worship of privilege, and the fear of redefining the system is the fear of losing that privilege. I think that that, to me, that that's where that competition thing ties in, right? Because yeah. because we've convinced ourselves and and are convinced of this fact, you know, or at least forced to sort of like live in a paradigm that accepts this fact as reality. That that if I have something, you know, there's not enough for you to have it as well, you know, or or, or something like that, you know. Where where did you where did you you know sort of you're talking about socio political stuff to some degree where did your views on that take shape how old were you or has this been you know sort of the sort of thing that gets in your head and has been in there for a while or has it been more the last couple of years how is it how has that trajectory looked um i don't know i've i've always been interested in in that i feel like you know my dad he worked for ibm Mm. in brazil and so he we had like i guess since i was a, a boy or a teenager we have always got along fine but <clears throat> we've always been antagonists in ideas like that in my view he was he worshipped america to a degree that was a little bit strange to me you know so i would i would um, remember telling him, you know, that what the, the 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 way he saw America was in a way um, saying that Americans were better. Like the 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 reason why Brazil isn't America because all the parallels, you know, like we're you know countries with kind of the same age and with a lot of similarities, but very different. But and. In short, he would, I, I, you know, I would say like, oh, you would love for Brazil to have an American president. You think that if we had one, you know, he would, he or she would come and fix things up because we are fuck, we're, you know, we fuck up. We just have too much fun or something. <laughs> you know? And so he yeah. would call yeah. me a commie. He would say, you little commie, you know. And so I guess, you know, I, I never really thought about like where this came from. But now that you're asking, I could see that. I was always um, critical of that, 
you know, and then through that, I had to arm myself with learning the history of my country yeah. and a bit yeah. of the, the history of the United States, too, to be able to talk to him and say, like, well, you know, you know that all the dictatorships that happened in South America and in the Middle East were a product of the Cold War. The United States put Pinochet uh, in, in Chile, put, you know, did the same thing in Brazil, Argentina. Panama, you know, and in the Middle East, like, it's not like we're, there's a lot to be said about why our country, you know, is in the state that it is, you know, mm -hmm. from, from between uh, when my dad was 14 years old, we, we were ruled by military. And the first presidential election after that, I voted for. So <laughs> it gives you a sense of, you know, but anyway, there, this is a complicated thing. Um, I've, I feel like going to college was really what, what I learned. And I never finished, so I only have a high school degree. Yeah. So I'm really not um, prepared to be talking about any of that <laughs> shit. But That's okay. I understand uh, completely. I'm in the same, but, same boat, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, one thing I learned in college was just really critical thinking, you know? Yeah. Like, just discussing ideas, being open to healthy disagreements, you know, and learning from others, like being open to other people's opinion. And I, I thought that was really fun. And, and I feel like that that's the period where like, I really became interested. Um, I, you know, I went to school to do investigative journalism. Yeah. Because, well, I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't know any, like artists actually like i thought this was like something that happens in in rich countries and stuff like you know people that lived off of whatever painting or making films and stuff so i decided to try that were you were you already playing music in college is that when you started yeah that's when it started i mean i you know i was just playing for for the heck of it since i was very young but in college i was asked to be in this band that it's called Los Hermanos, which yeah. was just beginning. And, you know, I was like, I don't know, playing guitar, smoking weed um, in college. It was really good college. Um, I was lucky to, to get in. But there's this like the villa, like what in America, I suppose, is like what you guys called like the fraternity or houses or whatever. Yeah. But this was this was no one lived there. But there are these little houses that were assigned to each um, department and the students took care of it did whatever they wanted and it was great fun we did a lot of experimental shit there but i would spend a lot of time there you know writing my papers and playing guitar and smoking weed yeah very good i missed that weak like sweet weed from brazil that doesn't destroy your life yeah but anyway. <laughs> just just gives you you had a night you just get like nicely still just a little stoned right yeah. yeah just a breeze as we call it you know <laughs> just a nice breeze but anyway so um um i met marcelo there he's like oh you can sing harmonies you want to be in my band i was like sure and and then i was like well i'm in a band i might as well try to write a song so that that's how it it came to be los los hermanos put out a, a single in in 2019 uh are you still pretty actively working together or just semi? Not at all. No? Yeah. Not at all. I mean, look, we stopped playing. I mean, the last record came out, what, 2000 and 
four, five, two thousand five, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, um, we did these reunion tours, right? Which, you know, the more we did, the more I liked it actually, because it it's just a celebration of the past. Other band members wanted to, you know, oh, let's have you know fancy guests. Let's write a new song. And I was never, I never wanted to do that because again, like we're talking about, you know, what, why are we doing this to justify touring again? We don't have to justify shit. If there's people that want to see us play those old songs, I'm happy to go there and play the old songs. I don't have to say, well, uh, here's something new. You know, I don't, I don't care. I'm doing something new somewhere else. Yeah. So I was always the, the, the advocate of like, you know, let's go and celebrate the past. The last tour, um, Marcelo was like, really wanted to put out a new song. I guess, I don't know, he felt guilty about doing another reunion tour or something. And it was fucking huge, you know? Like, somehow that music translated to newer generations. So all these kids that love us and never saw us, you know, they weren't even alive. Yeah. So so I'm super stoked to go and play for them, you know? Um, even though, you know, these are songs I wrote when I was, you know, 20, whatever. I don't, I don't care if, if there's kids that like it, I'll go and play it and everybody's happy, you know? Yeah. So, but he was insisting on doing that and I was supposed to write one. He was supposed to write one. I was like, you know what? You write one, you know, I'll produce it. And, and that's, you know, let's do it that way. And so they're like, all right, fine. So we did that and put that out and people liked it and everything's good, but there's no, that band is like, um, it's the past. You know, we sure. don't, we don't. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I, I like to move forward. Yeah. It's more interesting, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, there's something that you, you, you mentioned film, you know, and that when you were in college, maybe you thought maybe you, maybe you'd make, you'd make films. There yeah. are, there are. That's what I wanted to do. There, That's what I was. Yeah. I mean, there are such cinematic moments on this record, though, that seems like it's still in your head a little bit. I think about oh, yeah. the beginning of, of the song Tara, you know, where it just like it just opens like like a movie. And it's so it's so pretty and it's so, so beautiful. Yeah. What were the it's, you know, wh- why did why did you want to be a filmmaker? What were the movies that turned you on? I mean, I wanted to be a filmmaker because. I mean, I wanted to do everything and I still do. It's ridiculous. I'm a child in a way. <laughs> I'm interested in most everything. Yeah. And art was always my passion. To me, like it didn't really matter. And um, and I and I've said this before, and some people think it's arrogant or whatever. I don't care. That I think I'm I'm an artist. I make music, right? And that's art. Yeah. So it's one subject, of course. And, and, and in that way, I'm not a specialist. Like, I'm not particularly good at any instrument, you know, or anything. But to me, they're all connected. It's the same, in a way, the same rules apply, you know, negative space, uh, rhythm. Anyway, all these things. But um, I wanted to be a filmmaker because I was in love with, with because all the subjects are there, right? There's music, there's... Um, um, there's everything. And so because of that, there's a lot of space to be filled. You know, there are all these anchor points. And so creating juxtapositions and space to reflect something that the audience 
brings in, I was, you know, enamored by that, especially um, silent films or very old films and the techniques. I, w- I just thought it was so, I was so intrigued by it, you know, and, 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 and the fact that it takes so many people, like how do you coordinate a vision like that with so many people? And so I gravitated towards people that were making experimental films and worked with them and saw what they did and, and was really in love with it. So it lives with me like um and i for example i don't know this is just a curiosity for like one fan that will appreciate it but for example in cavallo there's a song called o cometa that song is the arrangement is pretty much the same instrumentation as the um inspector clouseau theme for pink panther mm. and i th- because it's one of my favorite movie themes of all time. I think it's genius because um, it's a comedy. It's like a slapstick comedy. And the theme for the main character is the saddest tune you ever hear. Yeah. You know, there's like, it's so it's playful yeah but so tender and so like that is a good example you know if the if the theme was like it's like well that's redundant you know yeah yeah you're laughing because there's a heart there's a feeling in that character you know it's not just an object right you know right anyway so I'm drawn to that. And with this record, I embraced, it was like, you know, midway, it was an exercise of embracing all these um, feelings. Like I, it became an exercise of, of instead of assuming a place that I'm speaking from, oh, this is me and I'm going to step on, on top of this idea of myself and I'm going to speak from here. No, I decided to like move the furniture and see what's underneath. Yeah. And, and to not apologize for all these feelings. So um, so that's why, you know, for Tara, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, the camera is going to start outside of the building. Yeah. And you're going to see people walking. You're going to have a sense of time of day and you're going to go into this hallway and it's going to be a long shot and it's going to turn into a door and you see a hand closing a door and then you open that door and then you're, in there you know yeah so the the intro is this you know but then later on you know there's something that i i don't know i wanted to to have a a playful um deceiving element because you start with this really um um push emotional push right there's like clearly um you're you're led to believe that there's a tender feeling and something maybe heavy that's about to happen Mm -hmm you know, important or changing. And so the song starts with this moody, you know, post bossa nova feel, very minimal. And this is all the projection of the love. Yeah. So when the chorus comes, you kind of attacked by this 1930s brass section. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the realization, the character realizing like, how kind of funny it is to fall in love or to have all these projections, you know, yeah. the embellishment of our feelings. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, you know, uh, it's not, it's not the way it is. 
and that's what the song is about. So maybe it's like me trying to convey the lyrics to without words. Yeah, I mean, you're describing it in such visual detail with with such a director's eye. That's that's beautiful because it seems like you're thinking cinematically, not just and you're creating narratives that are sort of cinematic. Even the, like you said, the way the record starts, you hear all these voices, and it's sort of like a like a you know crowded theater before the film starts. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. And you and and you and there are beautiful so far. Uh, you, so you've been working with the the director. Uh, it's Jackie. Uh, is it Jackie Bao? Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah. Jackie is the DP. Okay. Yeah. I directed the the, the trailer and the first video. I mean, I've directed most, all except one video from the previous record, too. I'm like, well, I, I guess I, I'm a solo artist, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't have a band. So, so how does she? How does she help you? I mean, as a DP, is 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 she helping to sort of realize these visions that are in your head? Do you have the kind of conversations with her that you're having with me right now in terms of sort of the vision you have, or is it a little bit more opaque and or or a little more open ended? How how does it work with with a collaborator in that field? Well, there's different types of collaborators. The last with Jackie because she's the photographer, right? So yes, I have to talk about um, the feeling um, that I want to convey. And, um, you know, should it be and in terms of like, because I'm shooting all on film too. So you, there's a lot of things you have to decide ahead. Like, you know, for the Mare video, oh, um, let's let's overexpose one stop. So the the white background kind of floods in and it feels like a, a mental space rather than a cold space mm -hmm. of like a, a septic space. So we warm it up. We overexpose a little bit. Um, and um, like things like, Oh, I, for the first video is like, there's a very childish thing about it. Right. And so I wanted to, we have to talk about camera positions to convey that one character is huge and the other one is small. Mm -hmm. And, and we talk about a bunch of ideas, but there's a lot of technical talk too, right? But for the last two videos, they're not out yet. I started collaborating with the, another friend who was also a very good DP, but um, started to direct. So he, I, for the last two, I had the idea storyboards and stuff, but, I sat with him and we developed it together, mm -hmm. which was, I mean, I'm learning so much with all this because again, I don't know how to do these things, but I've, you know, I'm doing it. And so I'm learning with other people, like looking what they're doing, why they're doing. And so working with Toby, Tobias Datum, Datum, I guess you say it in, in English. He's a, he's German, um, lives here and it's great fun. And so we collaborated. So with him, I go back to, the original idea and we chew on it, you know, like, okay, let's do this. I want to reference this thing. I want, um, I want, I want a long shot. For example, I hadn't this idea for the, I can't wait video, which is the next one that's coming out. I don't know when this is coming out, but it, whatever is no secret. I, yeah. I think most of the stuff will be out at this point, but it's hard to, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't keep track. I'm sure it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's okay. It doesn't matter. There's no secrets, you know, <laughs> Um, so I want one example. I wanted a long shot, mm -hmm. like a three minute shot, one whole roll. And so he 
because of the feeling that we wanted to convey, he convinced me to do a different version, to do a cut, to move in and move out and do things yeah. like that. <clears throat> and I was like, all right, let, let's go with that. And, and so each collaboration is different. I've been a lot more controlling with the previous records videos, uh, controlling like, you know, really, you know, the detailed storyboard, like I, you know, for the Mare video, I, you know, I built the sets, I picked the costumes. I, it, it was too much to do, but, but it feels good to start to move into actually the, the practice of movie making, which is, you know, delegating, having a team, aligning ideas. Yeah. And that's been really great, you know, to learn. Yeah. You, yeah. so, so you did, you did the theme song for, for Narcos. Uh, that must have been an exciting thing to have the opportunity to bring a cinematic touch, you know, to to embellish, uh, to introduce a show and set set the mood. Um, yeah. How how did that come together? And and how how familiar were you with the sort of narco corrido tradition? Uh, um, <clears throat> well, I was quite familiar with the environment because I'm from Rio. Sure. Yeah. 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 And so you know, the stories and stuff like, you know, particularly Pablo Escobar, you know, was a celebrity when I was a kid. Yeah. And so I knew some of that, but the thing about that, that doing that, writing that song that I, I liked very much was that I wrote it before they even shot anything. Ah. I only had a script for one episode. And so I really liked that because I had all this room to see. And so what I did was, I created a story to write a song. I was like, okay, why first, why would I write the song? What's the point of telling the story? You know, why to see people getting shot in the face and raped and no. Right. So the story, the point of telling the story of a monster can only be to reflect the monstrosities that we ourselves have. You know, you see this horrendous creature and then all of a sudden you see that, um, they're human and you, I mean, hopefully, ideally you start to relate in a way where it reflects back and you're like, you know what? I'm not that, I'm not that much of a saint, you know, of course, looking at this horrendous creature, I feel so clean and so righteous. Right. But if right. the story is a good one, you end up actually, you know, looking at yourself and thinking like, you know what? That creature is beautiful. And I'm not that clean and beautiful. There's some, so, so I'm thinking in those terms, right? So what do I do? I, I have to humanize the creature, the monster. Yeah. And so I thought, well, there was a moment in this person's childhood. Let me imagine the moment where he decided that he was going to be a certain way. What were, what was that moment, you know? So I did a little research and I had the, you know, I had access to people that would do research for me and that was good. But, you know, I learned a few things about his mother, where he grew up and what happened during his mother's, um, what was the time about in his mother's teenage years? So I focused on, on that. It's like, my story is Pablo Escobar at eight years old. Right. And, he is sitting in the kitchen eating lunch. His mom is washing the dishes with his with her back to him. And there's a little radio. And the radio is playing a song that was her favorite song when she was 14. 
that song in my story was written by Carlos Gardel. That's the Argentinian tango, um, you know, superstar. Mm. And when she was a kid, he was a worldwide superstar. And he happened to die in a plane crash in Medellin, the town that Pablo grew up. So I thought, so that makes him a hero. Yeah. So, yeah. so she is listening to this song and Pablo, and she loves this man. You know, maybe there's a picture of him on the wall. And so Pablo wants to be that man, wants to be that hero, you know? And so his mother is turning to him and saying, Pablito, you don't trust anyone. You know, she's jaded. Mm -hmm. And she's saying to him, you have to take it for yourself. No one's going to give it to you. You know, if you're nice, they're going to step on you. So I thought I'm going to write that song. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to write. Yeah. I'm so. So this is just the process, you know, that helps me get there. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I know now I know everything that I need to know to, to get in and, and put that song in the scene. You know, the scene is, is, is uh, disposable, you know? Right. Actually the Netflix reached out to me to actually uh, direct that and to write that script and the pandemic hit and I lost that dream job. But, <clears throat> but um, this just like, this is how, is how my mind works too, you know? Yeah. I'm writing, the song is a piece and it's good to, you know, it feels good. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm wasting time or my mind or, I mean, people arguably, you know, I'm slow in my work, but I feel like I'm only slow in comparison to others, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. You're, you're, you, you put records out at the exact right pace for Rodrigo Amarante. I mean, at, you know. I want to, I'm going to be a little faster from now on, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, I have fun, you know, doing like that. I don't know. I can't be someone else, you know, I, I have to be myself and you, you know, you coming up with that whole story and and creating this scene, you know, one, it makes me think about how drama is a great title for a record by you because you're talking about imbuing all of these songs with these human contradictions, right? You know, the monster who is more like us than we would like to admit, you know, and ourselves yeah. who are we're more like the monster than we would like to admit, you know, Um that's, yeah. that's all sort of in there. There's this story that you tell in the bio of the album about your father, uh, to bring him up again, uh, cutting your hair. And I'm not exactly sure what this story is. is I'm not exactly sure how this all ties into it. But... but I'll, Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, so, so, so when you were a, a, a kid... Your your dad he cut your hair off, uh, basically, as as the bio says, to sort of free you from the from the burden of the drama and the sensitivity that you think about. Uh, it doesn't sound like ultimately that worked, right? I mean, because you still. Well, it, in a way, it did because I'm responding to it thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, well, for one. Well, I'm going to I'm going to talk about that but you know it, it all has to do with memory as well. You know, the way I remember the story and the way my father remembers the story is completely different. Yeah. I'm sure. I haven't talked to him about it but and so I this is an exercise of acknowledging that, you know, acknowledging the theater that we are. Yeah. 
And so I feel like that's useful to me. And so maybe it's useful to other people. So I'm writing with that light. But so drama, that word, I, you know, I only gave the record that title after it was pretty much written, not all arranged, but written. And I realized that, you know, the, the tie between that and, and, and that moment is that moment just symbolizes to me the transition between boy to man. What I, as a, as a boy, had to hear and learn about the world and about what it is to be a man in that paradigm, you know, the patriarchal, patriarchal paradigm, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, you know, the, the, the older man will tell the younger man, you know, you have to control your feelings. You have to cool. You have to be um, objective and rational because that's what men do. You know, and so in imbued in that is the idea that women, on the other hand, are susceptible to to their emotions, that um, they're unreliable because they don't do that, which men do. And so which is total, you know, bullshit. And but, you know, so it made me think it made me made me think of, you know, the, the means by which this is another conversation, but the means by which. Um, we perpetrate that paradigm, the patriarchal paradigm. And men, boys um, have a lot to do with that. You know, even if I, as a man, um, somehow benefit from the paradigm, uh, you know, one way or another, involuntarily, I am also, um, um, I won't say a victim of it, but a means for it. So I wanted to go back and I remember that word drama is the same word in Portuguese in many, you know, most languages actually. And it conveys the same thing, like a, a spectrum of things. So in English, drama is both a genre, right? Oh, what is this film? Is it a comedy, horror, or drama? Right. And that's right. interesting to me because if you go and choose drama, if there's a menu and you choose that, you're choosing to be confronted by something. Yeah, that's the button that is perhaps less entertainment. You know, you go in there to feel an emotion, not sure what it is. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing. You know, like, you know, if you think about the etymology of entertainment, it means it means to keep together entertainment, entretenir, to not disturb. Right. Oh, you're going to entertain your guests. You're going to make sure there's peace and there's no disruption. And so in a way, art is the opposite. It's supposed to kind of pull the rug or do something to you. So drama, here's, there's that. On the other uh, end of the spectrum, drama is exaggeration, right? All, you know, it's, it's the unnecessary exaggeration of emotions, mm-hmm. uh, something inconvenient. And so, and that was the pejorative um of the word to me. So what I was told as a boy going back to the haircut is that um, I had to be, I, I, I couldn't be seen doing drama. I couldn't be, you know, as sensitive. I would, I believe I was, I had to get rid of that. Yeah. So yeah. when I started writing this record, the idea was to make more of a, a moto record rather than a tonal one, meaning 
I wanted to avoid modulations, um, sophisticated chord progressions, and you know, pirouettes, musical pirouettes. I wanted to be, I wanted for it to be syncopated rhythms and melody. You know, of course, some other things, but that was the focus. I want to do that. Yeah. Write two two chord songs. Um, you know, songs with no chorus and stuff like that. Some are in the record, but in the process, I realized I was still responding to that. I was still trying to be cool in that way, trying to be a man in that way, yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. not allowing, standing on top of what I believe I am rather than opening up. And so I decided and I realized it was like, you know, a realization um, that I should be doing the opposite. So I, I got, I got down from my podium <laughs> and pushed it and wanted to see what was under there. And that's when I embraced, you know, I was like, you know what? 16 violins. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know what? Harpsichord <laughs> counterpoint. And I'm going to write about all these. I'm going to, you know, like open my heart and write about difficult things that I'm feeling. And um, all the, the vulnerabilities and these hard emotions that I'm not supposed to let other people know, you know, yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to be cool. And, and so I decided to, to embrace that and, you know, be acknowledge that there's a book by Bell hooks that really helped me realize that it's called, it has a horrible cover and a boring title, but it's a wonderful book. It's called the will to change. And it's pretty much about men. Yeah. And it's a wonderful book. And I, I owe it to her a lot of this, um, a lot of this realization, like getting, like realizing like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's, I have something, you know, shoved in there. I am, I, I was trained to be a man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why drama. Yeah. I don't think that there's much more than we can add. I, I just I hope that when people listen to the record, they they think about that. They bring a little of that with them because I do. I mean, yeah, it is. I love that the the. I love that what you're describing, right? Is 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 sort of an opening up and 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 uh, letting go of a certain perception of what you're supposed to be in favor of what you are. And I love that rather than the record being this somber, you know, melancholy, introspective thing, which it, it, that's in there, right? But so is all of this vibrancy and joy and, and, and like you said, huge orchestral flourishes and all this stuff. So I love that that's all part of it, you know, that it's like. Yeah, it, it's a part. It's, a, it's the release, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very, I mean, for me anyway, it was very rewarding to to finally relax and let these things come out. So, you know, some of the things that are coming out are quite somber and melancholy, sure. but there's great joy in being able to do that. The, the, you know, so um, after whatever, after crying, you break into laughter because you're like, finally, that shit is out. L the lightness. You know? Yeah. It's like a lightness of you're, you're able to, to to be to, to be free of it in a funny way to go back yeah. to that you know it's yeah it's like wait a minute i didn't realize i had all this luggage you know yeah. that i'm dragging so you fucking open up you know look at it um acknowledge it and fucking move on you know yeah but, you know yeah. all of this talk and all this stuff the thinking and 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 whatever 
it's I don't expect people to I mean, I hope that this is really unnecessary, you know, still, it's just, you know, an album with some songs in it. And, you know, if it will make somebody's heart tender, a little bit more tender for three minutes, that's, that's all I, I want, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really flattered and honored that you want to talk to me about these things. And you really, you know, out of everyone that I talked about, it has, it feels like you really, are seeing the stuff that I was hoping someone would see, you know, it's really, it's, it feels really good. And I'm, I'm really um, honored by it really, you know, that, that, that we can have this conversation that, because it helps me too, you know? Yeah. Well, to, well me, me too. It's been really a, a great pleasure. And uh, you know, a lot of times when I finish these up, I say we should have you back on to talk more. Um, and I, and I mean it. Uh, every time I say it, and I'll say it right now as well, because doing a follow-up episode would be wonderful. Uh, maybe we could even record something live in LA at some point. We'll see what happens. You know what, man? You count, count me in. Yes, I yeah. would love to do that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking your time here on a Saturday and for this, this beautiful record. And I appreciate you uh, speaking with me about it. I appreciate it more than you. <laughs> thank- yes, I do. Thank you. Thanks, thank Rodrigo. You so we'll talk again soon. Yes, I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's going to do it for this week. I'm Jason Woodbury. I write, host, and produce transmissions. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton. Sarah Goldstein makes art, and Jonathan Mark Walls crafts the visualizer version of this show. Our executive producer is Aquarium Drunkard founder Justin Gage. Catch the Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night on Sirius XMU, 7 p.m. California time. We'll be back next week with Annika, whose new album Change is out on Sacred Bones. Fans of Broadcast and Nico should take note. We had a great chat, and I'm excited to share it with you. In the meantime, there's plenty more to hear in the archives, so go take a look, and if so moved, leave us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps new folks find the show, and we dig that very much. All right, until next time, keep it in the shade. Thanks for listening to Transmissions. We'll be back soon. <laughs>